0: I'm not looking directly into the camera but it's because I have two monitors here so I do have one that has the slides over here and then I just have another one with all my notes and then uh, for this presentation I'm going to try to make it as as light as possible especially uh, I try not to bombard you with just too much information and I think uh, a lot of the examples that I have throughout the presentation will probably be a little bit more illustrative of what to not do at some of these uh, zoom meetings so uh, it looks like looks like we've got about 20 people or so here it's a great little turnout uh, it's 12.03 probably just give it another minute here and then we'll get started don't want to waste uh too much of everybody's time today how's everybody doing today really good oh, so, it's so good <laughs> Uh, Terry is actually behind the scenes here, sort of uh, working uh, anything that I might need administrative wise. Uh, If there are managers that do need some of the continuing education credit, uh, what we're going to do is about midway through the presentation, I will give out a color and then at the very end, I will give out another color. And as long as you say both of those colors back to Terry in an email, she'll send over your certificate for completion of the course. Uh Terry, do we have the chat enabled in case I do have in case I ask them some questions at all so they can just type it in very quickly? Yes. Perfect. it's um at the bottom of your screen. <laughs> yeah, I pulled it up. I moved it over here so that way I can see it. Thank you. Uh-huh. All right, it's 12.04. I think that's a, about a good enough starting point here. Like I said, we got about 20 people on the call today. My name's Marcus Martinez. I'm an attorney over here at Bile Fotheringham. Just a little background for me. I've been with the firm for uh, three years. It'll actually, I'll be starting my fourth year in May. It's flown by. I can't believe it. Wow. Uh, I have been practicing here in Arizona since 2017. I am also licensed in New Mexico and I've been licensed there for a little over two years as well. So I get the, uh, I get to wear two different hats at any given time, whether it be the, the more conservative Arizona state rules or the little bit more liberal progressive state rules that I get in New Mexico. So I have one jurisdiction where I'm dealing with everything that's a lot more open. I'm dealing with one jurisdiction where everything is completely shut down. It is, it is different. I mean, that is the best way that I can describe it. Uh, it's really interesting though, practicing in both jurisdictions, because I see a lot of stuff that happens like in California, and then it makes its way through Arizona, gets a spin, and then some iteration of that ends up in New Mexico. So it's it's a very interesting practice doing HOA and condola in both of them. Uh, before I went to law school, I used to be a, a college algebra and calculus professor at UC Boulder. So I don't mind doing presentations. I, I enjoy it. I used to do it all the time with a lot of, um, you know, At the time, college students that were on their way into college or trying to get extra credit through an enrichment program. Uh, So it was it was different. Um, Not everyone is super excited in the middle of the summer to learn about calculus and trig and algebra. And I try to make presentations as fun as possible. Uh, Other than that, I think we can get started as long as anyone doesn't have any questions from the start about me or anything. Perfect. All right, so... You're here today to learn a little bit about Zoom calls, which if everyone has noticed in the past year due to COVID has become more of the norm, whether it be for regular board meetings or for executive sessions, or even for appeals of violations. I've sat in on way too many. I can tell you that I've seen very good ones and I've seen some questionable ones. Uh, (laughs) Some very important things to think of at the very start is Not everybody's gonna be as tech savvy as the next person. Um, Clearly my millennial generation is going to be different than the uh, Gen Zers that are behind me and some of the Gen Xers that are in front of me. So this may be something that becomes the norm in the future. Uh, Nonetheless, we still get a lot of funny memes. That being said, always remember that when you're using this platform you are one embarrassing moment away from becoming a meme and I definitely don't want that to happen to you or the association and you'll see some of the examples that we have later on Uh, as you can see here just a little tweet that we pulled this person's mother decided to carve into her her pumpkin for Halloween this year her on a zoom call which pretty accurate for the way that things have been going over the past year so just off the start Um, choosing the right platform. Clearly, there are many platforms that you can choose from. I know our firm in particular, we do have a lot of experience with Zoom and with GoToMeeting, and we were using them before everything kind of happened with COVID just to meet with clients in general. Like me being also licensed in New Mexico, a lot of our marketing is done virtually uh, when I just don't have the opportunity to travel there. And then since last year, I really haven't been able to travel over there. There's an automatic quarantine if I go over there. So we were already handling a lot of virtual meetings, whether it be meeting with new clients, whether it be um, just handling general sort of CLE instruction like this. So you know we, we have a lot of experience with GoToMeeting, um, also with Zoom, which is what we're using today. Uh, just out of curiosity, if type in the chat, which uh, particular platform does your association use? Or is there one that you prefer more than the other? I can tell you from when it comes to the more professional stuff, I prefer GoToMeeting and Zoom. When it's more personal, I think Google Plus is actually really great at that and Skype uh, just because it's a little bit more informal that way. Yeah, I see, I see a lot of things in chat with Zoom. Uh, I'm guessing that's probably what the managers are preferring at this time too, which is not terrible. Like I said, I mean, there's plus and minuses to all of them. I don't think one in particular is better than the other. Uh, but yeah. All right. That's good to know. So as you, as you all know, because of your experience with them, it does actually cause it's good and bad, right? I mean, it does allow for a lot more people to be involved in a lot more of the community association matters. It allows for more input. It also allows for a lot more questionable stuff to happen, which we'll talk a little bit about later, but I know from, from my own experience, it has been a very good thing, uh, just overall because you have had instances where some communities are not able to generate enough of a quorum for stuff and we've actually been able to utilize these platforms for that which has been great. Uh, We have had some associations that just don't have the ability to meet in person and then this gives them that ability and we're still conducting business and as you know when you don't have those regularly scheduled board meetings that business will pile up on you and a lot of the actions that you have to take will backlog. And then when you finally do have that meeting, you're stuck there for three, four hours, which is definitely what we don't want to do with your time when it comes to these board meetings. So, you know, having these platforms has actually been a very good thing for us to be able to just keep somewhat normal processes in place. Uh, So, like I said, I mean, they're very useful. They don't require everyone to actually be present, but it can increase the participation. And then, of course, everyone's hot topic helps prevent the spread of COVID. So uh, as we mentioned, some of those problems just right off the gate, security has often been a concern, mostly because there have been instances, like I know if anybody has kids here that are doing virtual learning at home, I have had sitting in with my child and somebody comes in and and bombs the zoom call that is completely uninvolved with the classroom. Uh, The schools have been really good about having a person that is away from just the teacher that is actually monitoring all of the chat and monitoring people that are coming in and out. So that's been really great. Also, something that you might want to think about when you're actually doing your Zoom meetings, if you can have somebody like how I have here with Terry, that is actively watching chat, actively making sure people aren't just coming in and out of the meeting. Also, if anybody starts to get out of line, she can also mute them for me, uh, prevent people from oversharing screens, prevent people from talking over each other. So you know, those are the those are some of the the hiccups that you end up with in the beginning for sure. But once you you start using it more you get the hang of it the real big issue that i see a lot of people have is interpretations of law and as you're probably well aware of the law has not caught up to the times so we don't have a lot of law that is strictly relevant to virtual meetings or using virtual platforms so in that sense, it's a lot of gray area. So we do have some things that help guide us, but we don't have anything that's always directly on point. So when you do have people that are trying to say you're violating the law by doing this, you're violating the law by doing that, you definitely want to get your legal counsel involved to make sure that what they're saying is actually accurate. Or if you want to come to your legal counsel beforehand, you can always try to be proactive in that and you can develop policies and procedures that you can actually put into some sort of a resolution or written form that can help guide you through the meeting so you don't run into some of those obstacles. So usually your governing documents would be the first place you would go if you're looking for anything that is related to how you conduct your virtual meeting. So like I mentioned, you could always make a policy or put some sort of rule or regulation resolution in place to help guide how your meetings are going to go. Uh, You can always look to your bylaws. I'm going to say that if your bylaws were not written in the last five to 10 years, you're probably not going to have any mention on doing anything through electronic means. So like I said, we can always adopt some sort of a policy. We can amend the bylaws. I don't think it's absolutely necessary. We can, but you know, you can always just adopt a policy. And in that, which I've, I've drafted quite a few for New Mexico, um, because there it's mandatory that everything is done through virtual there. Uh, Here in Arizona, clearly it is much more preferred, but from the policies that I have seen, it's mostly, it'll lay out the structure on how most of the meeting will be conducted it will lay out some basic ground rules as far as like when people want to speak or when people when is a proper time for people to bring up some of their questions or concerns and uh and overall it, it helps just to streamline the whole process which is what we're here to do um, in the first place so here. all right so you, before you get your meeting started as always with all of your meetings you want to make sure that your notice is actually done properly So here in Arizona under the Planned Communities Act, which is 1804 and under the Condo Act, which is 1248, you want to make sure that your notice includes the date, time and place of the meeting. Now, that is a little broad when it comes to a virtual meeting, right, because what does that notice need to entail? Does the notice itself need to actually include all of the Zoom information as well as like the call in time, uh, the meeting ID and the password? Probably not. Like that seems like it's a little bit too far. Um, But it should probably tell the date that you're going to hold it, what time you're going to hold it, um, what platform it's going to be held, or who you can contact about getting that information. So I think that's a pretty fair reading of the statute as far as notice goes. Uh, Again, we can always do things in a policy that actually clarify or expand on any of that as well. But as long as we're doing stuff that addresses the date, the time, and the place, then I think we're following the statute as it is here in Arizona. Um, has anybody had any sort of an issue dealing with this in any of their board meetings at all? You can just type it into chat. You don't have to necessarily come on or anything like that. But no, I mean, that's good. I mean, that's great. Usually this would be the first place that I think if somebody was trying to call an improper meeting or call a meeting as being improper, um, I think this is probably where they would start. Oh, Romeo brought up a really good, um, a really good question, Chad. It's like, He runs into possibly people wanting the agenda posted with the notice. So the first place that you would have to look would be your governing documents. If your bylaws actually state that you need to have the agenda attached to it, then you probably do need to have the agenda attached to it. This is also, again, like I mentioned, something that you could include in a policy that says you're going to attach it to there. I think as a general rule, you do want to have that agenda posted on there. Uh, It does help to keep your meeting you know, flowing. It also helps if maybe people want to only be attending for a portion of the meeting, which, you know, I like as a, as an attorney, when you don't have a lot of people showing up to your meeting, I don't always look at it as a bad thing. It usually means that people are very happy with the way that things are going. When you have a lot of people showing up and being very vocal, it's because something is probably going very wrong. Uh, So, you know, the agenda you know, it depends. What type of a meeting are you actually holding? If it's a special meeting, or if it's an executive meeting, or if it's a regular board meeting, I think as a general rule, an agenda can always be helpful. Uh, Again, depends on what your governing documents say. And like I said, we could always adopt some sort of a policy where we can say specifically the things that we're going to include in there. And, you know, in a policy like that, we could also give our sort of like template breakdown of how our meeting will usually go. So we'll usually have, you know, the opening to call to call to order. And then you could have your old business being addressed. You can um, do anything that was left over from the last meeting. You can have your approval of your meeting minutes, approval of your financials. Then you can address new business and then you can have open forum. I mean, that's a pretty typical agenda. I think that would be perfectly fine if you wanted to include that on a notice. Uh, it just depends though. So I mean, definitely come talk to me if you're having any uh, really big issues with that. So after you've Send out your notice. You have your meeting all lined up. You've already uh, sent around your, your meeting info for everybody to dial into. The first thing that you should do before you even maybe a half hour, 45 minutes before your meeting starts is just do a dry run. Make sure that all of your um, systems are up to date. Make sure that your sound quality and your sound volume is working properly. Make sure your camera is working properly. Kind of like how we did before, make sure that chat is actually working properly. Uh, Because the last thing that you want is to be dead in the middle of the meeting and then all of a sudden something is not is failing, you know, whether it be your camera is cutting out, your audio is cutting out, uh, all of a sudden my slides aren't working when I'm sharing my screen, Um, there's just so many different things that you can resolve by just doing a simple dry run before the actual meeting itself, and it can always save you a lot of time in the long run there. So, uh, sounds good. So, all right, this one, which you will find so many examples of on the internet today, of people not being properly dressed for a meeting. Now, most of the time, uh, these Zoom meetings will be done in person, but you're usually at home. <laughs> and I understand, you know, the comfort of your own home. Usually, these meetings are done after hours, but you, will, <laughs> I guarantee you for your own benefit just dress as properly as possible as if this were a regular meeting i can't tell you how many times now with me i attend court hearings very regularly throughout the week i probably attend about six to ten per week and there are times where i have pro-pers or even other attorneys that don't necessarily think that their camera is going to be on or that the judge is going to call on them to actually show their face on the screen so there have been times where people will not be wearing the proper attire and when i say not wearing the proper attire i mean do not wear gym clothes do not wear hoodies uh do not wear tank tops do not wear just plain old t-shirts um clearly the the t-shirts there's an argument i guess if it's if you if you can look as professional as possible uh, you definitely do not want to be shirtless. Definitely don't want to be pantless. Uh, be aware of people that may be coming into the background in uh, in your screen that they are also properly clothed. Um, I've had very many instances where spouses have actually appeared and they may not be uh, properly dressed in the background coming and asking uh, their spouse, hey, do you know where this thing is? Or, oh my gosh, I had no idea you were in a meeting. It happens. Trust me. Um, As you can see here with my background, very plain. I have the door shut. I've had to silence pretty much everything because I know my phone will go off every now and then. But as far as properly dressed, I mean, I have a jacket on. Uh, I do have a button up shirt, although it is a little chilly in my office. So I do wear a sweater on top of that as well. Um, Yes, I am wearing pants. Definitely not going to fall for that one. Uh, (laughs) But I can't tell you how many times I've actually been in court uh, and the judge has actually said, uh, Council, we actually appear by video in this hearing, and there have been times where people will not have a jacket, they will not have a tie on, they will not have pants on. It, uh, Like I said, you don't want to become a meme. Uh, let's see, I have cast in here, K KCAS, uh, no gym clothes, no hoodies, no Nike logos, etc. Great little guidelines there to follow if you're as far as getting properly dressed. Let's see here, so send the agenda materials in advance. Again, uh, this is kind of touching on the point that we mentioned with the meeting notice about possibly sending an agenda, but this is also more geared towards community managers and uh, self-managed boards that need to send out all of the materials prior to the meeting so that all of the board members can be informed going into the meeting about what they're going to talk about, what is going to happen during this meeting, and what are the things that can potentially be the more controversial when you're in the middle of the meeting as well. you are always going to want to have an open forum. I mean, that is required by the statute here in Arizona that it is an open meeting. You need to give owners an opportunity to be heard at some point. Of course, you can always put reasonable limitations on that. So we can say, you're going to speak at this time and we're going to give each uh, person in the community a minute, uh, 90 seconds, two minutes, which two minutes might even be a little excessive there. Uh, but. You might want to think about what are the possible benefits of having an open forum towards the beginning of the meeting or towards the end of the meeting. I mentioned that you will have some instances where people only want to show up for a certain portion because they only want to speak during that time. I have seen a lot of meetings where they knock out the open forum at the very beginning. And probably about a third to two thirds of the people that were present, they say what they need to say and then they just jump out of the meeting. So that can be a a pro tip if you want to, if you feel like you're gonna have a more, uh, I wanna say confrontational type of meeting, uh, whether it be like you're gonna talk about raising assessments, you're gonna talk about possible special assessment, you're gonna talk about something that, uh, like if you're in a condo and you're talking about something in the common elements that might have to be replaced and people want their voice to be heard, Maybe that might be a time where the open forum is more proper in the beginning as opposed to waiting until the very end and then everybody's sort of talking. So just different things that you could think about there. Uh, Also, I have noticed that a lot of the times the board members will not get, if they don't get the materials ahead of time and they're sort of blindsided in the middle of the meeting, that can be makings of a disaster. Uh, Mostly because when you're in the middle of that meeting, anything that you say is on behalf of the board. So you don't want some board member to be saying something when they're ill informed about it and possibly making statements on behalf of the association. Um, Especially if you have, like I said, one of those confrontational owners that's coming in and trying to pry information out of you. So, you know, it's, it's all about sort of managing the meeting, managing the chaos, which we're going to touch a little bit on later. Uh, But again, sending the agenda ahead of time and materials in advance can help to, manage the chaos and keep everything as streamlined as quickly as possible. So this is a, a tweet that we found, uh, not necessarily one that you would use for a meeting. But if you ever notice that these things actually do happen in almost every Zoom call, I think it's pretty accurate, uh, usually waiting for the host to start the meeting for the first five minutes. Uh, the group, Some people in the group discover their virtual backgrounds, and sometimes it will be turning them into a potato or a cat. You never know. There's always usually at least one person really struggling with audio. Good thing here. I'm the only one talking. So if we do struggle, it'll be just me. There's always the let me try my headphones guy. There is the person that always wants to hold up their cat or dog in the middle of the meeting, 100%. And then you, the actual meeting, right, is when it happens in this little window of time. And then at the very end, everybody's just always with the stay safe, stay healthy. I mean, this is probably pretty typical of what you'll see in a lot of board meetings nowadays. So uh, stick to the allotted time. Again, this all goes to your notice. This goes to having an agenda. This goes to having materials laid out beforehand. And it just helps to manage everybody's time because time is precious, especially when it comes to these board meetings. They're usually after hours. Everybody here probably has to work during the day. I mean, granted, being at home now you have a little bit more freedom but still even then everybody wants to respect each other's time and the quicker that we can get in and out of these meetings while taking care of all of our business the better. All right so it's about 1225. I'm going to give the first color for reference on the certificate of completion to send to Terry and the first color I'm going to give is going to be blue. So when you submit for your certificate, make sure the first color that you put up down is blue. Okay, so now uh, the next step or the next topic that we're going to talk about is giving your full attention. Probably one of the hardest things that people deal with when they're doing these virtual meetings is the how easy it is to be distracted, whether it be with the phone, whether it be with notifications popping up on your monitor, whether it be with uh, dealing with children, uh, whether it be just so many different things that can potentially come up while you're sitting in front of the call. I know a lot a lot of distractions can also come from other people's cameras. Uh, you will have cases where other people in attendance are not only watching the materials that are being presented, but they're also sort of watching and scanning the other people's cameras in the meeting. So do whatever you can to limit the distraction uh, coming from your end. Also do the best you can to to limit the, the sort of wandering as much as you can. Uh, it also helps if you are don't have a very busy background. I know I see some people that have like a blurred background. I know some people have like a virtual background and that definitely helps. Um, I tried not to make mine as very busy as you can see I have like blinds. I do have a chair over there which people are probably wondering why is there a chair over there. Uh, I do have my uh, sleeping couch where sometimes I do end up having to lay down after working very long hours here in the office. But Limiting distractions in in your camera, limiting distractions as far as things that are in front of your face on the screen that maybe not everybody can see, and uh, definitely trying to limit the amount of time that you spend away from the camera, whether it be to go use the restroom or, you know, if you clearly, if you have to take a call or something like that, that's fine. Um, uh, Penny uh, did, oh, Penny, that's my kid's name mentioned in the chat we have a board member who sits in his shed lots of plain rubbish behind him and as you can see just from that just from that comment there Penny is just trying to sit it on the board meeting probably trying to listen to other homeowners or trying to listen to the community manager handling everything and it is plain enough when somebody's sitting in a shed of just all of the things and I don't know I don't know if you're like me, but I can be a lot of a type A sort of OCD person. And if I see a lot of clutter, it will give me a little bit of a mini panic attack of wondering what can I do to help this person's rubbish get a little bit more sorted. <laughs> but that's a great point. I mean, just like I said, limiting as much as you can in the background can help uh, give full attention and also limit distractions for others on the call. Muting your microphone when it is not your turn to talk. This is Definitely something that is helped to streamline the process. It is 100% going to help reduce background noise during the meeting itself. I have Terry here who can mute everyone for me, which is like I mentioned Or It's always good to have somebody there just to kind of the I. I A little right now. Here it's back. Uh, the, uh, so the the background noise can sometimes trigger your face, which goes towards the questions. It also can extend meeting what we need to if people are constantly jumping around. I'm going to show you a clip a little bit later of. What happens when everybody tries to talk at once and, as you can imagine, with all of the delays and then with the way the software works, it will just literally be jumping and you get bits and pieces of everybody. So, muting your microphone when it's not your turn to talk or uh, making sure that everyone else is muted before you actually start talking is another great one. And so, yes, everybody. Perfect. All right. And again, so this is more directed at Anybody that's a community manager, mostly the presidents of the boards in the middle of the meeting, you want to do everything that you can to manage the chaos. So this is on two different levels. Oh, the audio's lagging a little bit. I'm sorry about that. Let me see here. Maybe I can, let me try to mute and unmute and see if it helps. Let's see, does that sound a little bit better for everyone? There. better now all right good perfect so uh like i mentioned so managing the chaos this goes on two different levels one is going to be managing the chaos of your subjective uh cam or of your actual face in front of everybody else this goes towards finding just a nice quiet spot maybe there's not a lot of family members that are around you maybe there's no tv on in the background i'm silencing your phone right now i have my phone on do not disturb Uh, My email right now is actually muted as well. So that way I don't get pinging notices, notifications while I'm talking to you. And then this also goes towards managing the chaos of the overall meeting. So as community managers will tell you, these virtual meetings have made things a little bit tedious at times because you will have at least three or four owners that are calling in that may not be as tech savvy uh, they may not know that their phone is not muted or that their microphone is not muted. Uh, you will have some that just want to try and talk or some that have questions in the middle of in the middle of somebody else talking which will interrupt the person that's speaking and then they're kind of jumping in and you're not necessarily going to catch everything they say so managing the chaos board president you can always have like a like a master mute ability, right? Just like in the regular meeting, it's your job to make sure everything sort of stays on track. And then as a community manager, if you have that ability in the software itself, you can mute everybody to shut down somebody who might be being inappropriate. And then you can also have that ability to only have certain people talk at certain times. So if you want to have a board discussion or maybe there's a vote that needs to happen and you only want the board members themselves to speak, That may be a time where you can only unmute those certain ones and then mute everybody else. Or you just mute everybody and have only the people come in one at a time to speak, whether it be through raising hand or through chat or something like that. But managing the chaos can always be very helpful, especially when it comes to streamlining these meetings. Like I said, I mean, the the last thing that I want you to take out of this is that there are additional steps or that there are so many extra things that you have to do in order to conduct these meetings in a in a more efficient manner. I want you to be able to see these Zoom meetings as just a helpful tool and just because everybody's doing it virtually doesn't mean that it actually has to be longer, harder, more tedious. Uh, let's see. There, we did touch on that. So let's see, I have a question from Alpha Community Management. It says, how many warnings do you suggest prior to removing an owner that doesn't want to behave? That's a good question. Well, clearly, I'm going to give you the lawyer answer of it depends. It is all going to depend on, first, do you have some sort of a policy in place where you actually list how many warnings you're going to give to somebody? I think as a general rule, I would probably say one warning at a bare minimum at a maximum, probably three. I would do like a three strikes here out type of rule. I think that's probably being very reasonable. That's probably being very lenient as well. And I, I don't necessarily think that you need to remove them completely, but I think you can definitely mute them indefinitely. So that way they're not interrupting, you know, they're still present in the meeting. But if it does get to that point where, like, if we were in a regular in-person meeting where we would have to physically remove this person, I think we could apply that same sort of a rule in the virtual meeting as well. Clearly, we have instances, I've been to some meetings where we have had to have security Uh, present at the meeting because we have a a certain owner that is being extra difficult with the board members. So I think if you take some of those uh, same steps as you would in the virtual, you definitely can. Would you give them three chances if they use profanity or are insulting? Oh, that's great. So we have a couple different things working here. So I think on the one hand, Um, Do you have a code of conduct policy in place in your community? Because a lot of the times a code of conduct policy can actually address of treating all of the other board members with the same with respect, giving them the ability to speak and not being any way insulting or using profanity towards them. So that's one way that you could use it as a guideline on how you're going to to approach it. Um, if you do have a policy like that in place, I mean, I think you don't def you definitely don't need to go for the three strikes rule. I think when it comes to something like that, where it is so obvious that they are being so disrespectful towards someone and being so inappropriate, then I think you could probably go give them one warning, and then if they do it again, I think that would be the time where you tell them that they are going to be muted for the rest of the meeting, and then that that would be it. Um... Oh, that's great that we've already per- we already prepared a code of conduct policy for this particular association. So that's the first that's the first route is I would say. Do you have a code of conduct in place, and that usually will address how people are to treat each other during the meeting itself. You could also, like I mentioned prior, with one of the uh, virtual meeting policies that we've prepared as well, you can also address that issue where we can say there's going to be one warning there's going to be a second warning on a permanent mute. And then third warning would be you're thrown out of the meeting completely. So, I mean, those are all different things that you could include in a policy like that. Oh, I definitely always wanna to touch on this one as well. Use an appropriate screen name if you are the host. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen this go wrong. I actually have an example later, but I did have this actually happen to me with uh, one of my school, uh, school classroom, my, my kid's teacher was holding a morning class and I guess the night before she had a zoom call and she had some beverages adult beverages with her friends and the uh the name that she used was not very appropriate let me just put it that way so you'll see an example of that later but make sure uh before you actually jump onto a meeting it does give you the ability to look at what your screen name is going to be either make it your first name with an initial or make it your whole name just something that is not inappropriate let's put it that way uh going along with those policies in place, there is actually the Roberts Rules of Order that are still uh, in place even during a regular board meeting. So I like to caveat this with, I always get people that are saying that they strictly want to follow the Roberts Rules of Order. I don't know if any of you have seen the Roberts Rules of Order, but that thing is huge. It looks like a dictionary. And there are very many discrete, minute rules. There's very proper procedures, very parliamentary and everything. But if you actually look in there there is a rule that states that if you are conducting a meeting that has less than I believe it's 21 persons in the in the parliament or in the group you do not have to follow the formal Robert's Rules of Order they can be more informal. Now take that with a grain of salt cuz clearly we do want to follow the Robert's Rules of Order as much as possible but at the same time when somebody's trying to hold you to a very strict standard oh Right, 12, 12 members. That's correct. That's right. So you, when somebody's trying to hold you to a very, very strict standard like that, even the Roberts rules themselves allow you to hold an informal process of the, or an, in, an informal form of the Roberts rules of order. The Roberts rules of order in the latest edition that came out, they actually have adopted a virtual meeting template. Uh, which I do have available. If anybody's interested in that, I can also, you know, prepare one of those for your association, or we can even just look at it and you can see some of them. That's great. Small board procedures. That's right. Oh, let's see. I did have a question in here. Let's see. Oh, it's from Cass. It said, I witnessed board members standing up and walking away from view of the camera. It happened when the topic got uncomfortable. How should this be handled? It changed the tone of the meeting. Wow. Whew. That's a good question. So I think, if it's a board member they're standing up and walking away i think if we were in person right and a board member felt the need to step out i mean if it was something where we're voting or if it's something where we're asking for input from all the board members you know i think they they're making their stance or they're they're showing their position on that particular topic by stepping out they're they're abstaining from it It's hard because we definitely want all of our board members to be as involved in every step of the process throughout the meeting. You know, if something does make them feel uncomfortable or if they're feeling sort of if maybe they're being maybe they're part of the other end where they're feeling like they're being insulted or they're feeling like the board members or the owners being disrespectful towards them. You know, we might have to address that as a board or as a community manager. So that one's a tough one. I'm gonna say that that one totally depends just on what your situation entails. I think if if somebody just maybe doesn't feel very comfortable about the certain topic, like let's say it's a controversial topic like politics, and they want to step out, you could always you know take a break. Uh, maybe it's a five minute break, and maybe as a board member or as the community manager, you could check in on a one on one with that particular board member and see what's going on. Uh, but yeah, I I can understand how that would definitely change the tone of the entire meeting. Uh, I think the best way to probably handle that would be, like I said, take a short five-minute break and then kind of reconvene and see if, uh, if you can either continue on with the meeting or if you need to still just kind of touch on that topic and then move on. Uh, but wow, that's pretty tough. Has uh, the chair I'd call Perfect. Yep, there you go. Just like I mentioned. There we go. Whew, this is a good one. So act like the meeting is recorded. So here in Arizona, we actually have a one-party consent state. So that means as long as one party to the conversation consents to the recording, that it can be recorded, which I think a lot of people kind of take a step back when they hear that. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, if you're acting reasonable and you're, you're not being very disrespectful, you're not doing inappropriate things and not treating any of the other members of the community any different than you would somebody on the board or any, anyone else, I don't think you have anything to worry about. Uh, it does go without saying that if you act like the meeting is being recorded at all times, you're probably going to be a little bit more reserved, you're probably going to be a little bit more thoughtful about the things that you say or the things that you do in the meeting. And one of the things that actually was pointed out to me in, uh, by a judge was that the judge can see your face when you're conducting the hearing and they're very aware of facial expressions, they're very aware of body language. And the same thing goes for when you're in the middle of a meeting. I mean, clearly, if you have someone in open forum, they say something that you don't like and you kind of give like a cringe. I mean, that's going to go a long way. So treat the board meeting like as if you're almost constantly being recorded and limit a lot of that extra body language, limit a lot of the uh, of the unnecessary wording, a lot of the unnecessary ramblings like I might get into a little bit in this presentation, Um, and I think that that's a it's a good rule of thumb when you're dealing with a lot of these. See we got uh, Penny here saying we record the meeting so that we can take type the minutes. Should we make an announcement at the beginning that the meeting is recorded? Uh, I think you definitely can make an announcement at the beginning just to let everybody know that it's being recorded. I know Zoom automatically records when you hit the start button um, whether or not that ends up being something that you end up keeping or storing somewhere, that might be something to talk about. Uh, I know for a fact that when you do record, it, there is an argument that it is a record of the association and potentially that could be something that people are able to look at later. Uh, again. We can always address that in any sort of policy that we put together where this could actually be something that we hold on to for a certain amount of time, or whether we only record certain portions of the meeting, like portions where we actually take actions, uh, because we may not necessarily need every portion of the meeting to be recorded. But I understand where you'd use it to make sure that you have very accurate meeting minutes. So I think if you record it make very accurate meeting minutes, you probably don't need to hold on to the recording any longer because you have the meeting minutes as a substitute for it. But that's a good question. I think as a general rule, you can. Um, I don't think it's absolutely necessary. I think uh, if you're being reasonable, sure, you just let everybody know that it's being recorded. But I, I think almost as a general rule, you need to almost expect that every call you're going on is going to be recorded anyway. So our virtual meeting minutes going to be the future well we'll, that'll be our last slide and what i'm going to do now is i'm actually going to show you some examples of some not so great things that i have seen popping up on a bunch of different zoom calls so let's see can everybody see let me change this here so we are going to bring up Here. So can everybody see my browser screen now instead of the slides? Yes. Perfect. All right. So this one has actually been pretty funny. Uh, A lot of attorneys have actually been making memes out of this, which has just been great. Hopefully it's not too loud. Oh, no. Check the sound box on the screen share. See there. There we go. All right. Perfect. Might want to. How about now? uh, Uh, We're trying to. Can you hear me, Judge? I can hear you. I think it's a filter. It, the- it is and I don't know how to remove it. I've got my assistant here. She's trying to, but uh, I'm prepared to go forward with it. That's, I'm here live. It's not, I'm not a cat. <laughs> this actually happened yeah, in a I court can, hearing. I, can, see I can tell you right now, if you're oh. in criminal court and that gentleman has to tell the judge that he is not a cat, you're probably going to jail. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but that is just probably the plain rule. That's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, okay I think everybody probably heard about this one at the very beginning of the pandemic but this was uh the Jennifer Zoom fail profession is one of the only professions that say that we like we can never get involved with a former client ever regardless of how long it's been versus like some other professions say a few years or whatever I think it really depends on just like the ethical standards of the profession and in reality I've heard that social work kind of has oh no Jennifer very high standards and and like like good standards in terms of things and that oftentimes people don't like people like i said of other professions don't have (laughs) like i said in this day and age it's very easy for something like this to happen and then all of a sudden you're an internet meme for years uh jennifer clearly here had no idea that everybody else can see what's going on on her camera maybe she thought that she had it muted or maybe she just didn't check but Definitely don't want to take your camera with you in the middle of a meeting to the bathroom. Just as a general rule, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that out there. You can adopt that one as a rule of thumb. <laughs> uh, we talked about uh, spouses or family members coming into your background. Oh no. <laughs> that poor spouse i mean she's she's trying so hard to just get through the rest of it after that but i can only imagine how embarrassing that's got to be you're in the middle of a work meeting oh i oh i feel for i feel for, it. I feel for it. uh see this one so this one is a choir that tried to put together a song where they were singing to one of their other choir mates or somebody but this is the issue that you run into when everybody tries to talk over each other or everybody tries to talk at once. No. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. It's oh. being oh, recorded. <laughs> I'm recorded. I'm recording. I'm recording mine. All right. All right. I'm cool. recording mine. All it's right, oh, recording. To oh ready happy birthday Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday Happy birthday. Happy birthday birthday to you. To you. I mean, bless on, on the screen, on the screen. Yeah. I mean, bless their heart, they tried so hard. They really wanted to get everybody involved to try and sing, and they're a choir, so that's actually something that they do. But just the way that Zoom is designed, it's not meant for a lot of people to be singing at one time, especially because you get that like popping in and out with everybody trying to talk at once, and then you get the delay of the software as well. So. Some people are still on hat and some people are on birthday and (laughs) it's just managing the chaos, managing the chaos for sure there. Ah, the, the good old example of not changing uh, your name prior to your meeting here. So this particular instructor uh, had a, it looks like she had some sort of a zoom happy hour the night before and uh, forgot to change her name. So make sure just a couple of the things that you want to double check, When you're checking your software, when you're checking your audio, make sure that you look at what name is actually popping up in that bottom left corner there. (laughs) All right, so back to, back to our last slide here. Trying to think if there's anything else that I felt we needed to touch on. I mean, are are virtual meetings going to be the future? That's a great question. I think probably, yes, they're going to be incorporated. I don't think they're going to be exclusive. I think we've seen a lot of progress that has actually been a good thing for participation. I think courts are probably going to be more, more responsive and more accepting of virtual meetings because I think that they help people, especially if they're, uh, if they have the corona, if they're coronavirus, uh, if they have any of the comorbidities, and it's actually something that might help them uh, to main to be as healthy as possible, I think judges probably look at it as a thing where if you're getting more participation from the community, it's going to make for an overall better community. It's going to allow for more input to the board, and it's going to just allow for more friendly rulings for HOAs and board members when it comes to things like oh, you know, they didn't have an opportunity to discuss the annual assessment increase, or, oh, they didn't have an opportunity to speak at this special assessment that you levied on everybody. They didn't have an opportunity to appear to talk to you about the document amendment that you were doing. Well, the virtual meetings, if they are something that we incorporate into the future, that can be a great way where we're actually not only able to be inclusive for everybody, but we're also able to show that we are being reasonable in allowing for more than one way for people to come in. So I think that might be something in the future where we are still having uh, virtual meetings as well as having our in-person meetings. If we ever get back to normal, whether that be next year, the year after that, I mean, it's a little touch and go right now of exactly when we're going to get back to normal, whatever normal is Uh, depends on who you talk to. Right. I mean, Dr. Fauci's, saying a bunch of different things. Uh, there's a bunch of different doctors. There's a bunch of different politicians. It's just, it's too hard to tell right now. But I think at some point in the future, you're going to have some sort of a hybrid where you will allow people to dial in or allow people to view a video recording as well as having that in person as well. Um, let's see, I have a question in the chat. Is it legal if residents, a small number, want an in-person meeting, but the majority of the board only wants to hold zoom meetings so as like as of today with the department of health orders i would think it would be very hard to find a place where you could have an in-person meeting where it would be socially distanced and you would still be complying with the department of health orders so as a general rule i would right now and today i would not allow a small amount of people to meet in person, and then also doing the virtual. That's today. If this is nine months down the road, a year down the road, I think that would be totally fine and completely acceptable. But like right now, unless you can meet all of those requirements from the Department of Health, where you're able to have a space that's big enough for people to be at least six feet apart, and you have to still allow people, like people have to come in, they have to be able to, they are going to wear masks the entire time. Uh, You probably have to offer some sort of hand sanitization something at the thing itself. Like you're probably going to have to have either like some sort of a station or hand out little hand sanitizer, something right to help deal with that issue as well. So as, as a general rule, I mean, I wouldn't allow it unless you could meet all of those requirements. And from a strictly legal standpoint, I think if you can't meet all of those Department of Health requirements, I wouldn't do it and I wouldn't allow it if that makes sense. Perfect. Oh, absolutely. No problem. So, uh, like I said, this uh, this course was actually approved by CAI for any continuing education credit if you need it as a community manager. The second color that I'm going to tell you to send an email over to Terry Rodriguez and her email is actually listed here on this last slide is red. So make sure that you list the two colors. The second color is red and then she'll be able to send you over the certificate of completion if you need it.